Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season this Tuesday, August the 2nd, as the light of Jesus shines on us from Genesis chapter 46. As we look at 46, we are being built back into this moment where, well, they all know that they've been re- revealed to each other who they are. Uh, Joseph and his brothers seem to be reconciled. That's kind of one of those, I, you know, uh, we don't want to go too far into intentions. And, and as we go back, now the anticipation, what about his father? What is this going to look like? What will that reunion be like? And also just, you know, it's very real. When you reconcile with somebody, you're always left with the little questions. Are we fully reconciled or not? That's what I love about the book of Genesis. It is completely honest. It relates to us today. And ultimately, it points us to Christ. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome, for the first time on the program since I've been on, a pastor from Hawaii. So join me in welcoming Pastor Mitchell Gowan of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Iaea, Hawaii. Pastor Gowan, uh, congrats, the first Hawaiian on our program, and, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Well, thank you. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here. <laughs> so, Pastor, we met briefly at the National Youth Gathering, which was a real joy. It was kind of one of those things where he said, hey, there's a guy that's going to be on a radio program, and, and then, like, where are you from? Oh, from Hawaii. Oh, talk to the Brady right there. And like, what? You're my Hawaii guy. Boom, boom, back and forth real quick. But it's, it's great to actually have you on and, and to, to be able to study God's Word with you. So tell us, our listeners... They haven't had a Hawaiian on here for quite a while, I don't believe. So tell them about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints and our Savior. Well, I graduated from the seminary way back in 1988 and did a few years in Silicon Valley. And uh, then uh, had a a member there who put my name on the call list at a place called Our Savior in IAEA. Most people know it better as Pearl Harbor, literally a half mile straight out from my office is the Arizona Memorial and the Battleship Missouri. Mm. And uh, after prayer deliberation, uh, my blessed wife, uh, who was eight months pregnant, and I moved over here. And uh, we've been here now for 31 years. Uh, All three of our kids were born here. My two daughters are both teachers. My oldest is also a DCE. Uh, She lives in Missouri with my son-in-law, who's a principal there, and my youngest daughter, she uh, married a pastor who just graduated from the seminary just a little over a year ago, and they are in Springfield, Illinois. And my son works for the federal government. My wife is a teacher here at our school in IAEA. And our Savior is a very unique, uh, for lack of a better term, mission point. Uh, 50 to 60% of our congregation is Lutheran. The rest are either coming from outside the church, outside the faith. Uh, we average anywhere between 10 and 15 adult baptisms and confirmations every few years. Um, And uh, as a result, we're constantly looking into the neighborhood, and God brings us the most amazing stories. And that's, I think, the best part about it, is uh, our Savior really is a place where people's stories gather under God's Word, 
just like Genesis uh, 46, mm. and we find ourselves uh, covered in the grace of God. We're ready to move forward and do whatever it is that uh, God has in store for us until that day he calls us home. But until then, um, we're here at our Savior. By the way, if you're ever coming through the island, you're welcome to join us. We'd love to have you. and Or just even stop by the office and say aloha to us. We love meeting people from all over the world. I love it. And Pastor, we were talking prior to our study, and you spoke about being at the National Youth Gathering and had a unique reunion with somebody uh, that 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 was connected to your church. Can you tell us about that? I was uh, serving communion for the uh, Gathering Planners uh, worship service uh, before the gathering event started, and I had one young man come through, and, and he says, you know, you know my dad, and I knew that. And another one came through and says, you, you work with my dad, and, and I knew that. And then this young lady walked up, and she said, you baptized me. Well, she was one of our YAVs, one of the young adult volunteers who's a college kid. And uh, so she was 19, 20, 21 years old. Uh, and, you know, I unfortunately, many of the individuals I baptized leave the church within two to three years moving all around the world with the, with the uh, military. And so she's changed just a little bit since the last time <laughs> I saw her, but she knew who I was and I wished I'd known her name because, you know, one of those wonderful reunions, uh, just a moment of time where God says, Hey, you had an impact in somebody's life. I used you for a very specific purpose. And uh, even though you may not recognize her, she recognizes you. Well, and, and reminded your listeners, if if you know who this could have been, if maybe she is a listener to our program, <laughs> contact Pastor Gowen and just tell, tell him who you are at the very least to reconnect as we know our Lord connects us together. So, Pastor, it is a, it's a reminder for us to pray um, for your congregation and the unique mission that the Lord has given to you in, in word and prayer and sacrament. And reminder to all of us to pray for our congregations, no matter the place, as we give his gifts. So on that note, uh, in prayer, can you begin our time in prayer? Let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, you have called us from the ends of the earth together as one church. We may look differently. We may have different ideas and different thoughts and different needs. But then you cover us with Christ and send us back out into our communities, uh, the places we shop, the places we worship, the places that uh, we go to play, the places that we just sit and uh, talk with our friends. and We share your love, your grace, and your mercy. We aren't perfect, but we are examples of your grace. And so use us to change the world through this amazing thing that you call the church. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, Genesis chapter 46, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. I'm even tempted to say, if you were baptized by Pastor Gowen, send us an email. I mean, it might be just a mass, a mass amount of people who are connected to you, and what a gracious thing that is. Well, you can or you can't. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. But Pastor, as we look at our text today, we get to the story of Joseph, and it has been such a joy to go through it again because we might read the kids' book version. We might read through Genesis on our way to Revelation for a reading program. But I know for me, I've never really slowly gone through Genesis. And when you come to chapter 46, you've had you've I mean you've had that that what we consider to be the highlight, the highlight of the brothers you reuniting, and they're not, at least as far as we can tell, wringing each other's neck. But Pastor, we come to 46, so what do you want to highlight for us that, that we may start off on the right foot in chapter 46? 
if I handed you my church directory, uh, Brady, you would just look at it and say, huh, there's a bunch of names. And you might know one of them. You might know two of them, but, but you're just going to see a bunch of names. Um, you know, it's called the Bagats, and, and when Jenny assigned this to me, I laughed. I thought, oh, this is great. This is the one section uh, along with the other Bagats that my grandma always said, well, I've read the Bible through except those Bagats. I always skip those. <laughs> and yet when I look at the directory of our Savior, um, I've got an individual who uh, was a kid in World War II. We firebombed his town and destroyed his church. But a number of years later, he and his brother escaped out of East Germany and made their way to the United States. Um, then there's Andy, who, by the way, happened to be the co-pilot on the D.B. Cooper flight. Um, there's Bill, who was a uh, prison commandant in World War II, overseeing Japanese internees. Um, we've got a guy who did so many tours in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, and another one who did tours in Vietnam. And they have stories that can't be understood except by the band of brothers who walked with them. I've got individuals who came from all over the world. I've got a, uh, an individual who was one of the first female graduates of the U.S. Naval Academy, and she was sent to South America or South uh, this, um, Antarctic and had to learn a whole different way of navigating because, of course, everything's north. And all mm. these stories are what, you know, so when you just see the directory with numbers and an address, it doesn't mean anything. And yet when you get to know the stories behind those individuals, suddenly that even a church directory can become this amazing book of God's incredible love and grace. And that's what I see in chapter 46. Uh, there's, there's some story in there, but there's also a whole bunch of these names, some of which we, we may or may not remember. And yet there's a part of the Jesus story in there that just leads us continually to the cross and the empty tomb. Well, I think that's a, a great segue for us because we can tend to skip the baguettes, you know, um, this person beget this, this person beget that, that child, this, this child, and, and you just get kind of bored, but you're right. And we can do the same thing with a church directory. We can do the same thing with a high school yearbook. We can do the same thing just with one individual, that that's just a name. But guess what? That's one that Christ has died for, as you said, that, that this is one that the Lord has called and he brings us together in the body of Christ. And so, it's good for us to remember that as we hear the the begets today. I love I love how you put that. Anything else, Pastor? Before we begin, no. I think uh, I think the rest of the text is going to take us right where God needs us to be. Absolutely. So we are reading from the English Standard Version uh, from Genesis chapter forty six, and we hear the word of God. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night, and he said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I'll make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will, will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. So, Pastor, we, you know, at the end of 45, it is Jacob or Israel who says, I will go. I will go. I will go there before I die. But then, you know, God, then God comes to him on the journey. And what does God give? What promises does God give him? Well, I think we have to start off with the reason he made sacrifices is, you know, he had been promised this land and now mm. he's asked to leave it. <laughs> and so, I mean, 
you know, it's amazing when you've got a promise and, and all of a sudden it's like, but, but this is what I live for. This is, this is what my whole life has been about. And now I'm supposed to leave it behind. Is it really a God thing or not? And, you know, he's got to make that decision. And so he stops and he offers sacrifices as did his fathers and grandfathers before him, because he literally is, is calling upon God and asking the most important question. I know what I want to do. I know what I've been told to do, but what is it, God, that you want me to do? I want to be within your will, guided by your hands. And that's, I think, where we're, where we're at. Yeah. And so, Pastor, that, I think that's a good relation for all of us because you see very prominent moments all over Genesis where the faithful patriarchs stop and they make a sacrifice. Well, for us... I haven't seen anyone stop and, and uh, slaughter a ram on their journey to Hawaii or something along those lines. How does that relate to us? No, but we do we do barbecue some great uh, <laughs> we do barbecue some great stuff on the grill. So uh. so how does this relate to us when we think about our journey in life today as Christian people? Well, I, to me, when I there are times in my life, um, you and I both recently got elected to new positions. And we allowed our name to stand. And there came that moment where we were like, is this something that we really want? Is this something that that the church needs? Is this something that is just a fairy tale and, and we're doing it out of hubris? Are we doing it because nobody else wants the job? And we're seeking that comfort, that 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 knowledge that whatever is happening is not the work of man, but it is the will of God. And every time we walk into that, and it doesn't matter whether we're a mother who's trying to console their child or perhaps work with a prodigal child, or a father who is struggling with work and and trying to figure out because they just don't enjoy what they're doing any longer, or someone who says, I I know that I, I need to go take care of an older parent. And what they're looking for is confirmation that what they're thinking and what's going on in their heart, their mind, and their soul is something that, that God is going to use to bring about his will and his work. And we're looking for that. And our sacrifices may not be a ram or, or a bull on the altar, but most of us will make a sacrifice. And sometimes we're trying to buy God off. You know, hey, God, if I give you this, will you mm-hmm. do for me what I want? But other times we're literally laying something before God and saying, Take all that I have and use it, and then raise me up as a new person and send me back out into the world where I need to be, not where I want to be, not where the world wants me to be, but where you want to be. And that, I think that's what I think that's what's happening here, and I think that's the most beautiful verse that you read, verse 4, where God says, you know what, you're going to go to Egypt, but I'm going to bring you up here again. Oh, and by the way, the son who you thought was lost will be the one who will close your eyes in death. And what, what a promise that is, I mean, for us as, as God's people, that, that he not only says this is where you're going to go, but he says, I will go down with you, which brings us to the, to the Great Commission, right, where he makes that promise, yeah. and behold, I'm with you to the very end of the age. It's Jesus' name himself, which is Emmanuel, God with us. And what a comfort for me to think about that as you went to Hawaii, as I now serve in Minnesota, like you said, it was some new callings that we have right now, that that whole time it is God who goes down there with us and he just fills us full of promise. 
Pastor, any other thoughts on that? Why is that such a powerful thing that the Lord that the Lord goes with us? Well, you know, thirty years ago when I went to a new place that I'd never been to, Google hadn't been invented yet. And as a result, when I arrived in a new city or a new country, I literally had to stand there and get my bearings and figure things out and maybe open up a book and try to navigate by maps. And maybe if I was lucky, somebody who had been there before would help guide me. And today, it's funny because I I recently made a trip to Hungary and, and Slovakia, and I was able to watch all of these YouTube videos about all the places that I was going to go And I was able to see them in real time. Mm. And what was most important was it alleviated my anxiety because all of a sudden it was familiar, even though I hadn't been there. And so when I stepped off the plane, when I got off the bus or the train, suddenly everything around me was familiar. And part of that was that I, I know people who were there and they promised me, if you need something, all you have to do is make a phone call. And for Joseph to know that God was walking with him and he was never, ever going to be alone. It, it took him exactly where he needed to be. And this is where we'll, you know, jumping to the end of the story where he says, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Mm-hmm. And now Jacob has the exact same promise that no matter where he goes, God is with him, which means everything's familiar because we have a God who created everything, maintains everything, and holds all things together. It's amazing to me, too, that he says, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I'll make you into a great nation. The promise didn't start with, with Jacob, start with Abraham. And he keeps telling that promise over and over and over. And this is that yep. <laughs> that reminder of, of why I, I try to tell my wife every day that I love her. Um, why every day you try to tell your kids that same thing. Why We are every day, forgetful people. We are forgetful people and continuously... It just fills us full of that promise. Any other thoughts on that? Why we need that reminder just besides our forgetfulness? Uh, it's called sin, and we always want to go our own way. And sometimes when we get to those dead ends and we realize, you know, God, God didn't promise to rescue us from everything. He promised to provide a way of escape. Those are those key words we tend to leave out in that verse that we're always clinging to. But I just think that it was wonderful that we never have to worry about it because we have a God who says, even if you go down a dead end, even if you go to the ends of the earth, no matter where you go, I am always with you. I mean, that's that's some of the most beautiful promises that we're ever going to get. Well, once again, we're reminded of you put your Christ goggles on or you put your Christ lenses on and you're able to be reminded of how this all interconnects to the cross of our Lord Jesus. Pastor, I'm ready to move on for a few verses. Are you ready? Yep, let's go. All right, verse 5. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob their father, their little ones, and their wives in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan and came to Egypt. Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, all offspring he brought with him into Egypt. Pastor, I was I was reading about this portion right here, and one comment that someone made was, we might think this was just a few items, you know, maybe a few books or, you know, like one cow or something, but his possessions probably were pretty plentiful. So this would have been quite the scene to have all this show up and all these people and all these possessions. 
and it would have been taken probably quite a while. But so this was not a small deed, but yet there they did it. Other thoughts you have on these verses? Uh, no, when when you consider the number of children, grandchildren, maid servants, man servants, relatives, cattle, um, and and it's interesting because the, the, I love that Pharaoh had sent these wagons to carry these things, mm-hmm. and so first of all, you you got to wonder as people were seeing first of all this incredible uh, parade going one direction, empty, and they're like, well, wonder where that's going, and then it comes back filled with things, and I just. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing because, you know, uh, one of the things we've learned, I haven't moved now for 31 years, which means I have a lot more junk than I really need. <laughs> and the day that I retire or take a call and, and move, I'm going to have to get rid of uh, a lot of books and things like that. Um, and our military, on the other hand, because they move every three years, they have a wonderful way of sorting through what they need in their new place and what they don't. And so you look at Jacob and his whole family, and they brought everything that they could possibly bring with them, because it's not like they had Walmart and Costco to run to. Oh, you know what? When we get to Egypt, it'll be fine. We can run to Costco and pick up the things that we're leaving behind. <laughs> but here, you know, they're bringing everything. And they, they, even though Pharaoh has promised to take care of them, they have to make sure that whatever their trades were, um, whatever they needed, they, they're going to bring it with them. And... I mean, this would have been an amazing sight to have been out in the middle of the desert and seen this parade go by and, you know, trying to figure out who is this, because this must be somebody important, because first of all, you know, it's got the seal of Pharaoh on it. But secondly, this this is a huge amount of people and goods and things, and I wonder where they're going. And, you know, this is the part I love, because the people watching this are wondering, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out, where is this in the story of the world? And I just wondered if somebody followed him all the way to Egypt, you know, and just, mm. just to find out what they were doing. And maybe he got up close at night when they took a break and said, who are you? Well, we happen to be the sons and daughters of God. Would you like us to tell you about him? And, and would you like to join us? Because, you know, this, is, this isn't just a journey to a new land. This is a journey that will eventually lead us into heaven. Wow. So I, I just, I love the possibilities that this gives <clears throat> us. Yeah, you see that in small ways, you know, kind of like at a youth gathering, you're, you got like 20 kids with same t-shirts on and they're walking through Houston and inevitably someone says, what in the heck is going on here in Houston? You know, and the opportunity just arises almost out of nowhere. Like, hey, and then you get to talk about that promise that Christ is in all things as we had as our theme. And a reminder for all of us that, that God gives us opportunities like that as pastor speaks about his own congregation located in that specific place. And that's our prayer for you, our listeners, that God gives you those opportunities because you know indeed that the Lord is with you. But yeah, what what a scene that would have been, the opportunities God would have given. And as we look at this, um, they well, they all show up. And how could they not? Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of all this. There had to have been some stories along the way like, can you believe we're doing this? I can't believe we're yeah. doing this. I'm going to go see my son who I haven't seen in 20 years. Actually, I didn't even think he was alive, but yet here I am. I'm The stories that would have been shared, it just reminds me of our own stories we share. Any thoughts on that, Pastor? Well, and, and don't forget the brothers who are like, I know he's forgiven us, or at least he said he did, but, you know, what, <laughs> what's he really going to do when we get there, and and how is this all going to work, and 
you know, we're going to wind up probably working for him. And how's that going to be? And um, one of the things that's amazing is the stories that we tell to preserve who we thought we were versus and who we want to be versus who we really are. And at this point, all the truth has come out. Everybody knows what actually happened. And yet, as they move forward, you know, now they're figuring out how is this part of the story, this, this, this momentary blip, going to put them back into the main story. And by the way, when you talked about the youth garden, you know, three years ago when, when we were in Minneapolis and all these, you know, 20-something thousand backpacks are walking around, people say, who are you? And you go, we're Lutherans. In Minnesota, they go, oh, yeah, sure. In Houston, they're going, what's that? <laughs> I mean, we have a big presence of Lutheranisms in Houston, but, but a lot of people were like, what's a Lutheran? Right. And I mean, so we, we actually had to take it down. And, and I don't doubt for the first few miles in this journey, people said, yeah, 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 you know, we're the people of God. And people say, oh, yeah, yeah, we've heard of you. But as they get to Egypt now, it's a whole different story because the people there are like, who are you? Because right. you're not one of us. And why would Pharaoh send for you? And I love it when, you know, when Jacob gets to say, well, let me tell you about my son, who's the reason you didn't starve to death. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because it could easily, you know, that proud moment you have when you say, you know this, you know that. And in this situation, you know how you're able to go down there to Egypt and Pharaoh's storehouses and able to get food at an incredibly good price? You say, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been very thankful. That was my son. And they just beam yeah. with pride. I mean, I don't know. That's just, as a father, I think about that. And as well. at the same time, they're looking and you're going, but you're not one of us. Right. How is that possible? Yeah. How yeah. is it possible that, that you're, to, and, and, and how is this working? Because this is where we suddenly realize that God often provides for us in ways that not only don't we understand, but sometimes we aren't always willing to accept. Mm. You know, it, it's the old no. If, if you're the one who's going to save me, then I don't want to be saved. And so we have to be humbled in this process and allow God to work in and through the way that he's going to work in and through rather than the way we think he should be. I mean, you know, this was the famous part of the disciples, you know, hey, God, at this time, are you going to do this for us? By the way, we've got an alternate plan instead of you going to the cross. And, and you know, we, we always have an idea and we've got to come down and say, OK, let's let's find out what God has for us. Well, I want to talk more about that on our other side of the break. We are studying Genesis chapter 46 with Pastor Mitchell Gowen, and we'll be right back. On America's college campuses, doors are open to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The number of international students studying at American schools has more than quadrupled over the past decade. For many of these young men and women, it's their first time living in a free society where they can ask questions about Christianity. You can help answer their questions. Go to lhfmissions.org and partner with the Lutheran Heritage Foundation to translate good Lutheran books into languages these students can read and understand. lhfmissions.org And welcome back. We are studying Genesis 46 with Pastor Mitchell Gowen of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Iaea, Hawaii. Pastor, you, you said something that really, really hit home as we're looking at Genesis 46, and we've read the first seven verses so far. 
is is that reality where you'll say, well, that's not the way that I would want to be saved. And how does that not instantly point us to the cross where when we actually sit back and look at the cross, which I think the movie The Passion of the Christ really brought it full front to, full front to me, was I don't, I, I don't want God to save me that way. And, and I'm, I'm saying I, I, I believe it and I, I trust in it and I'm, I'm grateful that he did. But if you really look at the cross, for someone to go through that much pain, that means that my sin is, is really great in order for someone to have to go through all that, let alone God himself. And so I don't necessarily like that, that he has to go through that much because I don't want to admit that I'm that much of a sinner. And that's, that's the reality that we look at almost every single day. Your thoughts? Well, this is why Thomas is, is my favorite disciple, because I can just imagine him putting on his best uh, Eeyore uh, you know, uh, costume, and when Jesus says, no, I've set my face to Jerusalem, that's where I'm going, and Thomas says, well, then we might as well go and die with him. <laughs> you know, and, dun, dun, and it, it, it's, it's, it's just this resignation. It, it, it's not, hey, let's go and die, because we're going to be resurrected. It's, well, you know what, we're this far in, we might as well go and die. And I... I do struggle. And I mean, let's face it. It's like, hey, God, you know, when I was a kid, I, you know, put on a cape and jumped off the garage roof. I did not fly. But, I, you know, I, was, I wasn't going to let that slow me down. I just, I obviously, I needed the blue tights to go with the red cape. You know, and there, it, it, I was just missing one little thing. And, and I've done that my whole life with God. Okay, God, I, I know that you say I got to go to the cross, you know, and, and this whole thing of being crucified with Christ and taking up my cross and following him. But, but, you know, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. And so I'm just going to keep looking for that other way. And when I find it, uh, then you'll, you'll celebrate because you'll say, yep, it was an Easter egg hunt. You found the Easter egg. We're fine. And I just, I love the fact, by the way, that the social media, every time that somebody hides something, it's called an Easter egg. And it's like, yeah, but there's only one Easter and it's the only thing that can save us. And, and so, you know, as, as Jacob and his whole family is about to discover, God has a plan that is beyond anything we can imagine. Well, let's hear more about that because the plan is going to be wrapped up in names and a lot of them. So, Pastor, for the sake oh, this of... this is the best part. Come this on. This is the you best part. This, this is absolutely fantastic. Go for it. Absolutely. So, as we do this, I'm going to separate this through a little bit, mainly because to... Uh, allow you to do some talking in between these names but like how let's use this filter from the beginning as pastor said so well that every name is one that god has saved and and died for and these names are ones that are not much different than your names think of the names in your own family your own community your own church and how those names have a whole lot more meaning than simply a name and we see how god blessed israel and in turn has blessed us so we hear these words here we go verse 8 now, these are the names of the descendants of Israel who came into Egypt. Jacob and his sons. Reuben, Jacob's firstborn. The sons of Reuben, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul. The name of the Canaanite woman. The son of the Canaanite woman. The sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merai, the sons of Judah, Er, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. But Er and Onan died in the land of Canaan. And the sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Issachar, Tola, Puva, Job, and Shimron. 
the sons of Zebulun, Sered, Elon, and Jalil. They are the sons of Leah. These are the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob and Padam Aram, together with his daughter Dinah, altogether his sons and his daughters, numbered 33. These are the descendants of, uh, of uh, Jacob. What do you want to tell us about? Any, any insights? Yeah, obviously they counted wrong because uh, there's 34 names. And I'm going to let you determine, because you're the expert here, which one we need to eliminate. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, well, it says sons and daughters. I was hoping that I could use that as the reason why you take out Dinah, and then you're good. But you can't do that because uh, there's, yeah, it says sons and daughters. I have no idea. What did, Didn't the commentaries yeah, well, tell you anything? Oh, yeah, they, they, you know, and, and I love Luther because Luther goes back and forth. And, and by the way, I love the, a lot of the other versions. It didn't say Canaanite woman. It says Canaanitish woman, oh. which may give us a clue because some people think that actually this is the, the uh, this is Dinah's offspring. And there's a question because of what happened to her. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and the question is how they view that. Um, and then you, you know, you look at this and, uh, trying to figure this out, like I said, and remember it, it, it's in parentheses. So there's, there's some question about which manuscripts it's in and which manuscripts it isn't and, and all this, but we look at these, these names and they exist elsewhere. We can track most of them down, but, um, now comes the big question. Why are they there? And, and why these specific ones, um, because by the way, it also says that there's a problem here when he starts talking about this, uh, because some of them he uses a plural, and yet there's only one of them. And then you've got the two who died before they got to Egypt. And this is that part of, of where, if you're a fan of reading murder mysteries, you're trying to figure out how and why it was important that these names are listed very specifically before we move on to the next section. And we get Leah, of course, and, and before we get to the favorite wife. Um, but we're, we're looking at these names and we're discovering that each one name, of course, we look at them as names, but all of those names, if we look at them in the Hebrew, have a very specific meaning. And this is where sometimes we have to dig a little bit deeper to find the clues. Well, and that's like like you said, there's there's so much story behind each one, and that's why we can't even. It's much like if you're if you're going to introduce your family, just like you did today, Pastor. It's not like you read you, you mentioned two of your children and then left one out. Just you know, okay, uh, well that's no big deal. It's just one name, anyways. But to mention every name shows the value not only for Jacob, but also to God, and how this generational uh, continuation of God providing for his people is just is made very, very clear through this. Um, and, yet, and the other, I, I don't know, it, to me, it, it leads me to prayer, kind of like when you have a directory, that that directory, it leads me, every time I look at where I've served and other, it leads me to pray for those individual names as well. So you just think about the prayers yep. and the altars and everything else that happened on account of these names is even more powerful. So pastor, other thoughts. Well, and, and by the way, um, Onan is mentioned, even though there was shame associated with mm -hmm. his name. Right. True. Mm -hmm. And in, you know, in other words, we didn't cleanse the, 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 the names. We didn't say, well, we're only going to talk about the ones we want to talk about. 
Because, uh, by the way, when you, you know, I try to introduce my children always in order either of birth from oldest to youngest or youngest to oldest. You know, in other words, I try not to introduce them as the oldest one is more important than the youngest one. And sometimes I'll move it around or some, you know, because I want, depending on the person I'm talking to, if I happen to be talking uh, to someone who's not Lutheran, but who might be a government employee, I might start with my son who works for the federal government. If I'm talking to someone who's in the Lutheran church, I'll say, my uh, my daughter is a teacher, DCE, and my youngest daughter is a teacher. They'll understand that. If I'm talking to somebody from outside the Lutheran church, and I say, my oldest daughter is a DCE, they say, what's that? I say, well, director of Christian education. They say, what's that? In other words, oftentimes when we're, when we're talking about various names and the stories and the titles and everything that's associated with them, there comes a need for explanation. And you and I, because we grew up in a non-Hebrew life, um, so much of this can be lost on us because we don't necessarily understand the culture unless we get a Paul Meyer or somebody who says, let me help you, you know, understand why this is and why it's important that the names are listed this way mm. and why we use this particular form of the name, going back to Abram, Sarai versus Abraham and Sarah, and, you know, what all this means and why this was important culturally. And we, we begin to unravel just a little bit more of the story. And I think that's the best part about it. It is. It could be a very long, I mean, that's the beauty of this is if you were to do a Bible study at your congregation, how great would it be? We don't have time to do it here. That you're able to find those names, find them in the scriptures, like you said with Onan, that, okay, he's listed here. He's not listed as ashamed. Uh, you know, like, oh, we, we well, own him. We didn't like our own. No him, asterisk you know. next to his name. Right. There's yeah. no asterisk there whatsoever. But you can learn a lot from that, let alone, let's be honest here, that every one of them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, have their fall from grace. You know, so this is not like, oh, Jacob's perfect, but oh, Onan, he's just a real mess. Or, and that's important yep. for, for me as a parent now, uh, four kids, and, and all of them are almost teenagers now, is that daily need for repentance where often when you're younger and you look at other families and a kid you know it just doesn't is not doing what they should be doing and and you often will think in your mind well that must be something the parents did where you know what all of it is is by the grace of god all of it and that's where you realize how well we all need a lot of grace as we look at this and a lot of mistakes are made and a lot of forgiveness needed other thoughts well in that opening verse by the way luther was very clear that, you know, everybody tends to think that the sacrifice was just, you know, throw another shrimp on the Barbie. Mm. But Luther makes it clear that those were teaching moments for the family, just as Jacob in, in, the, earlier, uh, in the earlier passages has said, you guys need to get rid of all the, the, the false gods. You need to get rid of them. We need to recommit ourselves to God. And so these moments of sacrifice were the moments where you brought the family together and you say, as we see this sacrifice— we need to be reminded that, but by the grace of God, that would be us. And here I want to remind every single one of you who we are, whose we are, what promises have been made to us, and that we are living in, in, in this moment of grace. And our job is to take care of one another. Oh, and by the way, our other job is to be such a light in the darkness that the world sees something so different about us that they are drawn not to us, but to the story that we're living in so that they can become part of the story. 
And that's where we see these stories as well, because we also know, um, you know, about Reuben and we know about the rest of these. And let's face it, many of them lived very different lives at points. And so we're seeing that. And if we go back into the original stories and the stories that are going to come in the days ahead, we realize that God is reminding us that he is a God of grace and mercy. And despite the way we live, he still sees us as his children. Well, I think I think I'm ready to go on for more of these names. Any other? You have anything yep. else before we move on? Oh, these are the best ones, and I can't wait to hear how you pronounce all oh, of them. Oh, really yeah, glad you're reading them and not me. <laughs> I hear that quite often as a host. Here it is, verse <laughs> <laughs> verse sixteen: the sons of God, Gad, Ziphion, Haji, Sunai, Azban, Arai, Arodai, and Arelai, the sons of Asher. Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, Beriah, with Sarah, their sister, and the sons of Berera, Abar, and Melchiel. These are the sons of Zilpah, who Laban gave to Leah, his daughter, and these she poured to Jacob, 16 persons. So here's kind of a... Um, it's just like you said, a lot of a lot of names that are a lot of fun for to listen to someone else try to pronounce. Uh, other insights you might have on, have on these names as we hear from these verses. Well, Sarah is the daughter of Asher. Only two women enumerated in this genealogy. Each mm-hmm. one, by the way, even though they're an individual, are called daughters in the plural. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's one of the things that does show up in Scripture. Uh, but if to the former 34, the 16 by the second wife are added, they make up a total of 50. And the sons and grandsons by Rachel Jacobs, principal wife, who you're going to read in just a minute. But we're simply seeing this. And I, I think I, I love the fact that, by the way, that we do have these natural separations in the scriptures where, you know, we get the little parentheses and it says, well, these are the sons of Zilpah and, you know, whom Laban gave to Leah, his daughter. And, and we, we see this because they're, there's something there that if we were living 4,000 years ago, we would be able to insert the little dot, dot, dot as to why certain things are broken up the way they are. And we would say, oh, yeah, yeah, we remember that story that Grandpa told or that Dad told. And, and uh, you know, all these years later, we might have a hint of it through Jewish traditions and some of the, the history books, but we only know a tiny, tiny bit, and that is what God decided to reveal to us in his word. But but each one of them is just, it, it's, we read it, and if we pay attention, sometimes we, we learn things. So, Well, I, I really don't have any other um, it, insights to this as all, at all. But I it, do know this, that um, you have like Zilpah, not a great story. Uh, yeah. it, it, you know, these names, these, they did not hide from their past. And that's something yeah. that is very important for all of us is that, we can go back and live in shame for the rest of our lives over these things, but also we know that God carried them through, and that's a common theme I've seen um, with almost every one of our guests since we started in in Genesis 12. Clearly, that's throughout all of it, but Genesis 12, because often we kind of look at Abraham as that just that taking off point where everything just kind of got better. Adam and Eve messed it up, but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, we know the stories. That's that's not true, but we kind of tend to think that way. This great man of faith. Well, guess what? They had to be carried through it all. And that's exactly, I love what these genealogies as well. As they point us, that you know what? Yep. God carries you through. Let's not deny it. Let's just let's, let's keep our eyes on the Lord. Other thoughts? Yep. 
Okay, so let's keep moving forward. We're in verse 19. Um, I don't think the names get any easier. Maybe, maybe they do. I don't know. Okay, verse 19. The sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph and Benjamin, and to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, bore to him. And the sons of Benjamin, Bela, Bacher, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Mupam, uh, excuse me, Mupim, Hupim, and Ard. These are the sons of Rachel, all who were born to Jacob, 14 persons in all. I'll go one more. The sons of Dan, Hushim, the sons of Naphtali, Jaziel, Gunai, Jezir, and Shelem. These are the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, and these she bore to Jacob, seven persons in all. All the persons belonging to Jacob who came into Egypt, who were his own descendants, descendants not including Jacob's, Jacob's sons' wives, who were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph, who were born to him in Egypt, were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob who came into Egypt were 70. Well, we got all the names. We got the numbers. Any other thoughts on? Yep. There's quite a bit there. Well, Rachel is actually called Jacob's wife, uh, which is not just somebody who was given by a father. Uh, yeah. uh, again, I love the sons of Dan, and then you get one name. Um, it, you know, the just little things that, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're not just reading it through quickly, you discover these things, and, and you know, you go, hmm, that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, we heard all the names. We've seen the numbers. I want to get to the next portion where we see Jacob and Joseph reunited, not to skip the baguettes, <laughs> but nope. but I want to get to the next portion. So other thoughts you have before we do? Nope. All nope. right. I just think when we start talking about it, we've, we've covered a, just enough to know that it, it leads us to where you're about to go. Absolutely. Verse 28. He had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him in Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. Then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. He presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who were in the land of Canaan, have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? You shall say, Your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our father, fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians." The ending brings some unique dynamics, but let's talk about the re, the reunion of of Joseph Joseph and Jacob. Any any thoughts on that? Well, the fact that he skips the first three sons and sends Judah ahead, <laughs> and uh, there's something there that that of course we're going to know about revealed much later in the story. Um, but the part that just is a gut wrencher is where Jacob turns and says. 
all right, I've seen your face, let me die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the truth is he had already died once when they brought back the bloody coat of, of many colors and said terrible tragedy happened and he had to deal with the loss of, of his favorite son. And I don't know about you, but, but you know, I always tell people, I cannot love my kids the same. I love mm-hmm. them all for who they are. And so I love them equally in some respects, but I actually love them specifically for the things that they bring to the world and, and, and to the communities they're in. And, you know, so when, when Jacob said Joseph was his favorite son, I, I, I've never seen that the way necessarily the brothers did. But I know how they took it. But here he's looking at it and he says, I died once. And he says, I have been resurrected. And so this time when he dies, it, it will not be that kind of death. This is, a, this is a different kind of death. This is a death of peace, of the sleep of the righteous, you know, that the book of Psalms talks about. And I just think, I think that is, it just wraps up this whole section just beautifully. And we also, I, I can't help but think about Simeon when Jesus is born and and he holds Jesus in his arms, though he says kind of what we assume. And he says, you know, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. Yeah. Um, your, your word has been fulfilled. And there's, there's that reality, the prodigal son grabbing a hold of, you know, running to a son and, and to be able to grab a hold of him. There had to be a little bit of that too. Like, you know, now I'm good. My son is back and, and, and he is back in, in good graces with me. And here we see all, we see that very emotional gut-wrenching situation that has happened here and then how could we not then relate that back to our lord and when he grabs a hold of us as he has in christ and we know that indeed we are his children and he is our father so pastor we have a few minutes left in our time here uh anything else you wanted to highlight because it kind of gets to some details okay when you get into pharaoh's area here's what you should say because you know what they don't really like shepherds very much so uh any thoughts on that last part well, you know, I've always wondered in that last part whether, you know, because he's very specific about saying this, because, of course, Joseph is going to say, um, excuse me, Pharaoh, but can they have this property way out there? And and I, I always, you know, they get to be set apart. And, of course, that's what it means to be called. We're set apart. It, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we're better than anybody else. But we're set apart for a very specific purpose. And so when they show up and they say, we're shepherds, and they go, oh, that means you smell and you work with animals. And you know what? Let's put you way over there where we don't have to think about you, where you can just exist all by yourself and do whatever it is you do. It's our way of saying thank you for for Joseph. And I just love this because, of course, later on, it is what causes the the problem that, that we have to bring about Moses and and, you know, and, and a whole different Pharaoh and, 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 and all of this. But we see them set apart. And so God took them out of the land he promised them. He brought them to a place where they're set apart and they can literally live the way that, that he intended them to live, raising up this nation so that he can restore them when, as the New Testament says, in the fullness of time. And to me, that is just a beautiful promise that when God takes us, from where we thought we needed to be, and he takes us to another place. He's going to provide for us. It's not going to be easy. It's not like they moved into a five-star hotel with room <laughs> service and, and everything they needed. You know, they, they had to scramble. They, they had to, to re- reset their life and everything about it. And yet God says, 
I'm watching over you. You're set apart. You are protected. And when the day comes, I will raise you up and I will restore you where I promised. And I just think that that's, you know, for us, every time we walk into the valleys of the shadow of death, when we walk into a hospital emergency room, when we walk into a new city because we had to pack up our family and leave, when we walk into a new job, when we're faced with, with a crisis that, that we weren't prepared for, God says, I'm taking you to a place, but you are set apart. You, do not to be, you don't need to fear. You don't need to be afraid because I am with you. And on the last day, it will be my son that closes your eyes, and you will, you will taste his sweet breath when he welcomes you into heaven. And I just I see this as this beautiful story that isn't just about Joseph and Jacob and the brothers, but it's also one that is our story as well. Pastor Mitchell Gowen of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Iaea, Hawaii, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 46. Pastor Gowen, it, it's been a joy, it's been a pleasure, and thank you for bringing us his gifts. I have to make one announcement as we get to the end of our program today. I've been part of the KFUO family for over a year and a half, and many of you might have noticed that the last few months I have had a new calling. I went from Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell to serving our serving as district president of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. I was elected to this position in May, and what this means is that now I'm the spiritual ecclesiastical supervisor of 198 churches, 8 elementary schools, 20 preschools, and many, many church workers. And this has brought many changes um, to our lives and also uh, to our family, but many blessings. So I wanted to, first of all, thank you, our listeners. Many of you have reached out and said, I'm praying for you and, and uh, give me God's blessings through that. But also this has brought many new challenges as far as time and trying to balance everything. So due to this new calling, this next Monday, August the 8th, will be my last study here on Thy Strong Word for KFUO. And that is it's hard for me to say, but also I know that the Lord will provide. First, I, Thy Strong Word will continue the, next, the same time, the same format, the next day, but with a different host. The Reverend Dr. Phil Boo will be your new host of St. John's Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota, and he'll begin a study on Romans. So uh, Pastor Boo has been a regular guest here on KFUO, and he'll be a great blessing to you, as I know that uh, you have been a great blessing to me. So all I have to say is keep putting on those Christ goggles, keep, uh, keep receiving the gifts, for you all know that the Lord will keep you safe in the palm of his hands. Thank you, and God bless.